Hi everyone, my name is Matt Jarbo. Welcome to Milk Carton Mysteries, episode number 440. Holy crap. Today, we got some interesting stories to talk about. We have a woman who has been arrested for murdering her husband. The rumors are that he was abusive and that she had enough and she fought back. The question then becomes, who's telling the truth? There in San Diego, a man attempted to kidnap a two-year-old boy, was arrested and has now been released. We're going to see what his family, what the boy's family, what the parents have to say about this. And of course, the story of a father who was shot in the head by his 11-year-old son. The boy has now been arrested and the family is calling for the boy to be released because he was protecting his family from an abusive father. So let's dive right into today's episode of Milk Carton Mysteries. But real quick, if you guys like this stuff, if you like the show, review it on iTunes, please. Go there. It really helped me out. It would really help me get higher in the ranks. I'd appreciate that. More subs, more people listening. And head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk carton. All right. First up, let's talk about this woman right here. Killed her husband. Was it self-defense? Was it protecting her family or was it cold-blooded murder? Well, the state of Maryland is the one putting out this particular release which gives us a lot of information, which is why I included it in this story. So September 26, 2020, Sharptown, Maryland. The Maryland State Police have arrested and charged a woman for the murder of her husband in their Wicomico County home last night. The suspect is identified as Sharon Kolhoff, age 55, from Sharptown, Maryland. And after consultation with the state attorney, Kolhoff was charged with first-degree murder, first-degree assault, and the use of a handgun in the commission of a felony. She has been taken to the County Central Booking Center to await an initial appearance before a court commissioner. So it's pretty standard, pretty straightforward right off the bat. This woman, 55-year-old Sharon Kolhoff, killed her husband, charged on three felony counts. But let's find out more. So the victim in this case has been identified as Edward Kohlhoff III, 51 years old. He was pronounced dead at the scene. His body was been transported to the office of the medical examiner, examiner in Baltimore for the autopsy. Now, just before 10.30 p.m. on yesterday, this would be uh, the 25th of September 2020, Maryland State Police Troopers from Salisbury Barracks were dispatched to a residence on the 200 block of Walter Street in Sharptown, Maryland for a reported shooting. When they arrived, they found the victim inside the home suffering from an apparent gunshot wound. The suspect, who is the victim of or the wife of the victim, was also in the home. Troopers saw a handgun in plain view on the cabinet. Investigators from the Maryland State Police Homicide Unit responded to the conduct investigation or to conduct the investigation. The State Police Forensic Sciences Division crime scene technicians responded to conduct scene processing and evidence collection. And after a search warrant for the home was obtained, the handgun that they found, though, was believed to have been used in the shooting and was, in fact, recovered. The preliminary investigation indicates that shortly before 10.30 p.m. yesterday, the suspect obtained a handgun from the second floor area of her home came downstairs and then during a reported argument with her husband, allegedly shot him multiple times. 
Now, investigators learned that the suspect con contacted police earlier in the night to inquire about how to obtain a protective order. The procedure was explained to the suspect, but she did not report any type of assault or request any further assistance. And that to me is a little bit weird because I wonder, I can't help but wonder right off the bat, if that's just a way to kind of protect her ass a little bit, if that's a way to protect herself. So think about it like this, guys. She knows she's going to kill this guy, right? So we're talking premeditation, murder one. She's had enough. She's ready to go. She wants out. She wants to be free. So she plots to kill her husband. She does this by first establishing a paper trail of alleged abuse. So earlier in the night, earlier in the night, contacts the authorities and says, hey, how do I get a restraining order? And they talk her through the process, but she doesn't actually report anything. And then she thinks that that's going to be enough to use as a defense for killing her husband. Again, that's all, that's all just where my thoughts are. That's where the alleged, uh, allegedness is coming from. Now, the information developed during the preliminary investigation indicates that the couple were, in fact, having marital problems. Uh, checks with both the Maryland State Police Salisbury Barrack and the uh, county sheriff's office found no record, though, of previous responses to the couple's home for domestic abuse-related issues. Now, the state's attorney did respond to the scene during the night and was briefed by the state police investigators. Additional investigative assistance was provided overnight by troopers, and the investigation is, in fact, continuing. So the story itself, just right off the bat, it kind of establishes this narrative, right? Like I said, it's she shot and killed her husband. She's claiming that it was probably self-defense, that she was uh, you know, being abused, being assaulted, being attacked, all of these things. And then in the moment, she decided to fight back and she decided to, you know, to, to take his life in self-defense. But the fact that the, the authorities had never been out there to, to discuss this is interesting to me. Now, it could be that they keep it private. And in doing my job working with the Census Bureau, I have, I have discovered that people really do like to keep a lot of things private. But their neighbors, man, their neighbors know everything. Part of my job, if somebody refuses enough times, is to go seek out a neighbor to get that information. Because neighbors do generally tend to pay attention or might have relationships with them. And my favorite thing about it is when you find a neighbor who doesn't like the person that I'm trying to meet. And they're like, oh, that person? Yeah, fuck that person. Let me put the kettle on. And then they proceed to tell me everything about that family. People pay attention, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, people pay attention. So that is going to be what hinges in the investigation here. That is going to be whether or not Sharon uh, or Shannon, whatever her name is, ends up getting free or ends up going to jail. This is going to be whether or not they can establish any kind of situation where there was domestic abuse. But my gut tells me that there wasn't. My gut tells me that this was all premeditated. I could be wrong. And in fact, I am. I actually kind of hope I am wrong, to be fair. You know, because either way, in this, if I'm wrong, uh, then she's clearly, you know, I don't know. I think she's maybe like lying. So if I'm wrong, then she was definitely the victim and she, you know, got a scumbag off the street. But if I'm right, then she's already been arrested and the scumbag's off the street. So it's, you know, <laughs> kind of hedging my bets a little bit.
However, a person is still dead. I don't want to discount from that. We don't know the whole story. I'm not trying to make a mockery of the man's death. He died at the hands of his wife. She then called 911. The gun was left out for the authorities to find. She clearly called about getting a restraining order. So that at least establishes some kind of narrative. Whether you believe it or not is entirely up to you. And I do want to hear what you guys have to say about this. So let me know. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the mill card. So let's talk about this tragic tale. And I'm not even too sure if you want to call it a tragic tale. It's a tale about a dude who's dead. This is Andrew Lafleur the third or Drew Lafleur Lafleur the third, if I can say his name correctly. And he's a father of three. Or he's a father of more, I think of more than three, but this is three pictured on the screen here. And he's dead. He's been dead now for a couple weeks. The story's a couple weeks old, but I, I just got around to talking about it. Because it's interesting. So an 11-year-old, who in this particular situation is probably the person dressed as Kylo Ren right here in this image, but you can't see his face, which is why they didn't block it out. But an 11-year-old has been arrested in Lake Charles area, accused of killing an adult family member. Now, this is coming in, um, and it says that authorities say that a child was arrested in southwest Louisiana after he allegedly killed a family member over the Labor Day weekend. The uh, Calcio, I'm, God, I, I always mispronounce these names, uh, Parish Sheriff's Office said that it was called to the house on Herbal Lane in Moss Bluff Monday in response to a reported shooting. Deputies arrived to find the 39-year-old victim, Andrew LaFleur III, dead from a gunshot wound. The suspect, an 11-year-old family member, was taken into custody that evening and booked into the juvenile detention center on charge of second-degree murder. So the, the fact that they're charging him with second-degree murder and not first-degree murder kind of says a lot because it wasn't something that was planned or premeditated. It was kind of in a heat-of-a-moment situation. But then the question that becomes, why? Why did he die? Well, according to Carly of Floor, his biological daughter, she says, hashtag here, stand with Wes. Wes is the name of the boy. This is a bit of a long read, but it gives you an idea. She says, as most of you know, my biological father passed away Monday. But what many of you don't know is that my younger brother, Wesley, shot him to protect us. I was only a child till Wes and his mom came along when I was 12. Many people just saw him as a strict father because he was a veteran and is an honored man. This is what made it so difficult when we would reach out to the police, court, or even some family members for help. The truth is he was abusive emotionally and physically. I went through this as only a child for 12 years, and it didn't just all of a sudden start one day. And as my siblings came into the picture, it just got worse. Coming from a child or an ex-wife, most of the time, the issue would get brushed under the rug. Plus, the fear of what would happen to me when I spoke out also played a big part in what I said to people about what was really happening. The times that I would speak out or even confront him about me being scared, he would just get louder and more violent. I'm not going to go into detail about the abuse he went through exactly because it is a very sensitive subject. Now, real quick on that one there. The dad's dead. She is accusing him of emotional and mental abuse and using it as a way to defend her younger brother, which I understand. But then my question then becomes... If he's dead and you need to ex exemplify why Wes is a hero, 
then this is the time when putting out those kind of statements with specific documented circumstances or situations of abuse would probably be for the best. And look, I'm, I'm not trying to like minimize her feelings or mock her or belittle her. I'm just pointing out like this is a reality when it comes to getting public on your side and even the district attorney on your side. Now, she goes on to say that my brother Wesley was more mature than any 11-year-old I've ever met, and he could not stand to see his family getting emotionally abused, torn down, bruised, and in constant tears anymore. Wesley, being the oldest brother, wanted nothing more than protect his family. And on Monday, September 7th, 2020, Wesley made sure none of us would ever have to live in fear or be scared of him anymore. He protected us, and he risked everything he had to make sure we would all be okay in the end. My brother Wesley means more to me than life itself, and as his big sister, I will always be there to protect him. Now we no longer have to hide or be scared of speaking out. We will no longer be silenced and told he's just strict. I'm sure backlash from many of my family members will come my way and be told, how can, you, how can I do this to my father? But family should always protect each other, and you have never listened to our cries for help. Some people just brush them under the rug, and that is not what my family does. I loved my father. I love my brother. Let that be known. Now is the time for issues like these to finally be heard and known, not just about my family, but those thousands of kids that go through abuse. Those children never get heard and get swept under the rug like we once were. My brother is a protector, and I will always stand with Wes. For anyone who thinks that anything I just said was untrue about my father or how he treated us, please think that you are not his child and you are not in our situation. You may have known him as a great person to be around as a friendly guy. I do not know the relationship you had with him, but the same goes for you. You did not know the relationship he had with us. From the bottom of my heart, thank you to all the people that stand with my brother and stand with my siblings and myself. All of the unconditional love and support we have gotten has made this time a little bit easier. Please feel free to share this post because the more people hear the truth, the more people it will help or the more it will help Wesley hashtag stand with Wes. And look, I'll be fair. That's a compelling statement. As I pointed out, though, in this situation, by not giving the specifics, it does hurt. Because it's going to look is people are going to look at the scenario. They're going to look at what is said and they're going to ask themselves how much of this is legit and how much of this is bullshit. And that is a very valid way to look at this. And that might come across. You might look at this as me being callous, but I'm being realistic. If you want the public on your side on this case, you have got to provide the reasoning. If it bleeds, it leads. The crazier the shit, the more people pay attention to it. That's just the, that's that's the world we live in. So hiding any kind of evidence of abuse right now won't actually benefit anyone unless it's going to be used to benefit Wes when dealing with the legal ramifications of his actions. Is any of this documented? Is any of this recorded? Are there photographic evidence? I've seen the TikTok page of his, of, of like the mom of Wes's mom. And you know, she seems like she's just, I think that she was single or something. It was a little bit weird if I'm being honest with you, you know, a woman in her forties, that's trying to like really hype up TikTok, Like she's using it like Tinder. It's kind of odd, but other family members are in fact on TikTok and they're talking about this. And I wanted to play this clip 
uh, from uh, Wes's older sister. And I'm not sure if this is the same one that we read the Facebook post on. So I'm curious, but here, take a look. Hey, you guys. Okay, so I know I don't have a lot of followers, but I need you guys to do me a favor. I need you guys to share this, duet this, find the link in my bio, click on it, read it. I need you guys to blow this video up, please, for the sake of my brother and for the sake of my family. A little bit of backstory. Um, my siblings and I have been abused for about five years straight, and I was able to get out when I was 18, but they were not. Um, if you've seen on the news, in Moss Bluff, Louisiana, there was an incident. My brother stood up to our abuser, and now he is facing legal repercussions. And we need every single person that we can to get him. We need everybody to help out and reach as many hearts as we can to get him out of that situation. Um, like I said, link, link in bio. Please do at this. Please share this. We want our brother home. Hashtag stand with us, please. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, you know, you, you're, they're trying to rally public support this way. And I understand it and I support it. You know, if the, if the stories are to be believed and I do, I do think that they are an 11 year old uh, like this, I don't believe would just pull out a gun and shoot his dad for no apparent reason. Um, I know it's happened before. I, I know that's going to be maybe dismissed by some people, but that's not the vibe that I get by paying attention to this. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens. We're going to have to absolutely wait and see what happens uh, if they decide to file charges on this kid. But if it turns out that Andrew LaFleur was as, emu uh, as emotionally, physically, uh, and mentally abusive as his children claim, and it's not just one, it's, it's multiple children, then that should do probably a fair amount to kind of maybe sway public pressure to get the boy out. But the thing is, this story hasn't blown up yet, and it's been a couple weeks, which is very interesting as well. So that's why they're going to TikTok. True crime on TikTok at this point apparently is very huge. Uh, so that's something to consider. So I don't really know where this story is going to go next. All we know is a 39-year-old dad is dead, his son's in jail, and his children are defending the brother for his actions and saying that he was just doing what he could to protect them. But I have seen reports from other people who knew Wes or who knew Andrew who speak very highly of him. And that could be just the mask that they saw, the person that they saw, the performance that they saw when his children dealt with the real him at home. I don't know, but I am curious to know your guys' thoughts on this one. Let me know down in the comment section or on uh, iTunes or on uh, Twitter or Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk card. So let's wrap up this episode by talking about this weird case out of San Diego. This guy you see right here. Name's Andrew Glavikin. San Diego native. Got a couple kids. I blocked out their, I, their, you know, I'm trying to protect their identities. And he is now being charged with attempted kidnapping. And this was in broad daylight. This was in broad daylight where he in Vista, California at the mall had allegedly and it's not even like he's on camera, at least the aftermath of it's on camera, was arrested for trying to kidnap a two-year-old out of the backseat of a car. Now, deputies arrested a man on Saturday after they say he tried to kidnap a two-year-old from a car in a North County parking lot. Deputies say that a woman, her fiance, and their two small children were in their car backing out of a spot of the Costco. Sorry, it wasn't the mall, it was Costco. On Hacienda Drive in Vista. 
So they're just, they're backing out of a car space in Costco. And out of nowhere, this, this man that the authorities have identified as 37-year-old Adam Glavikin, or Glavinick, sorry, my bad, I, I got it wrong, opened the back door of the car and tried to take the two-year-old child out of the back seat. He tried grabbing the car seat, pulling it out. Now, the parents got out of the car and confronted him. A crowd gathered around at the confrontation between the father and Glavinick got physical. An off-duty sheriff's employee and others witnessed uh, or other witnesses intervened, separating the two until the uh, Vista Sheriff Station could get there. He was then arrested on suspicion of kidnapping and being under the influence of a controlled substance. And he was booked into the Vista detention facility. Now, here's an exchange that was recorded and uploaded online about of him being arrested. And like, and listen to this. Fuck you! You're a piece of shit. You're not making it any closer. Right. Right. You're a shit out of me. You're a mistake. I didn't do it. Yeah, so we can see that tempers were clearly flaring there. The father of the boy, uh, furious, livid, wanting to lunge at him to to shred him apart. The man saying he doesn't he didn't do anything, but the authorities clearly popped him for being on some kind of controlled substance. We don't know what it is yet. And the question that becomes why? Why would he go and attempt to kidnap this child? Why would he do when you? Why would you open the door of a car that's backing up and you grab a two-year-old that's snatched? It's literally connected to the car frame. I, look, these car. I have two kids. These car seats now they clip in. There's no way to pull it out, and there'd be no way for him to like absolutely like fumble with the 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 snaps on the car seat in order to be able to take the kid out. There'd be no way for that to happen. So clearly this guy was was making some kind of brazen midday attempt at something. And I can't help but ask myself, why? What is it that he was attempting to get out of this? He's got kids. Was he trying to get another one? Are those kids in danger? Are these kids in this picture right here? Are they even alive? We have no idea. This is from his Facebook page, by the way. Public Facebook page. So it's like we don't know any of this information. But what we do know is that he was booked. He was arraigned. Or not arraigned, he was booked, he was charged, and then he was, he, he did go before a judge, and he did get the chance to, to get bail. Right? A, a potential kidnapper of a two-year-old, high on some kind of controlled substance that we don't know what it is yet, was allowed bail. And in fact, th this is, the, this is a, a full news story about what happened. You guys got to hear this. Because, like, the parents are furious. They are livid. And I'll, I'm telling you guys, I'm honest to God, I'm right there with them. And now to a crime alert, a man arrested on suspicion of trying to kidnap a two-year-old boy from inside a car at a Costco parking lot over the weekend is out of jail. ABC 10 News reporter Rachel Bianco spoke to the boy's parents who are outraged. Get him! <laughs> yeah. 
two-year-old Peter giggling with his baby brother. The two will likely not remember what happened in the parking lot of this Costco, but their parents will never forget. I just seen out of the corner of my eye this guy running down between the two cars. Peter Kopchak and his fiance Jennifer Lawson were leaving Costco and Vista Saturday afternoon. And then he opened up the back door, reached in and grabbed my kid, and then she jumped out of the car, left it in reverse. So I slammed the car in park. I jumped out and he was trying to grab the car seat. She pushed him and then, and then I just had to take him down. Kopchak tackled the guy and did not hold back. There's an off-duty uh, officer there. He kind of pulled me off the guy, held him down, told him to put his hands behind his back. Sheriff's deputies arrested Adam Glavinick. He's 37 and used to work in IT at a local law firm. He's facing charges of felony attempted kidnapping and being under the influence of a controlled substance. He was released from jail Sunday on a $100,000 bail. Devastated. I couldn't stop crying when I found out because... He will do this to somebody else. There's an email circulating on social media demanding D.A. Summer Stefan revoke Glavinick's bail. It reads in part, do your duty and remove this criminal from our community before he performs irreversible damage to an innocent child. Well, it my mind that he's got out so fast. There is also a backlog of out-of-custody cases due to the pandemic. Glavinick isn't scheduled for an arraignment until February. Rachel Bianco, ABC 10 News. The DA's office says it can't comment on an active case. <laughs> yeah, it can't comment on an active case, but it can let a guy out that attempted to kidnap a child. So then my question becomes, okay, a couple things. One, he had uh, to come up with $10,000 in order to be able to get out of jail. So he's got money. Two, why would he go to kidnap a child? Is this a human trafficking thing? There are people out there that are saying that. There are people out there that are saying that this is a human trafficking thing that he was trying to kidnap this kid in order to sell him off into something. And I've seen, I've seen those come up, right? And I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying that's not, that's not what's happening. I have no idea if that's what's happening or not. But when I, I when I, it just seems so weird to me. Like it was something that was more of a, of a, of a crime of opportunity in that moment. But for whatever reason, we don't know he was under, if he was under controlled substance. Uh, but people are trying to, to, you know, I think QAnon types are trying to come on in and make it about human trafficking. We don't know yet. The guy's in IT. He could he could be breaking bad into that human trafficking game, and that could just be like what he's doing. I don't I don't know. I'm I don't want to make a light of it because it's such a terrible thing. But I also want to know why in God's name this guy would sit there and do that. And I'm just I'm just so curious to know why. Uh, that's why I wanted to talk about it. And as always, I want to hear your thoughts because are you like me? Do you just think, why would this guy do a broad daylight in a Costco parking lot? What was he thinking? Was he even thinking at all? What, what was his end goal here? I'm hoping we get the truth because this is one of those things where it just is so weird that I don't even know if the truth is going to make it any, seem any less weird or if it's going to come across as a lie or some kind of cover up. Who knows? But as always, I want to hear your thoughts. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk garden. All right, gang, that actually wraps up today's episode of the show. I do really appreciate everybody tuning in. This was a an interesting episode. There was a lot going on there. I, I want to know more about uh, about Wes LaFour and, and what's going to be happening with him. And I do want to know if if the woman killed her husband in cold blood or if it was, in fact, in response to domestic abuse situations, because those happen. And, and we've been hearing a lot about this because of COVID, because of the shutdown. There's been so many people out there 
that are, you know, that are in these very tense, tight situations because they can't go anywhere and they're trapped together. And it just can have these powder keg, powder keg effects. And we don't know yet. I don't know if we're ever going to get the true, the true ramifications of everything that's happened. Uh, and no, I'm not sitting there saying like, no masks open up. No, I believe in masks, but I also think we should be cautious, be careful. But people need an outlet. People need an outlet. If not, things, bad things can happen. So as always, I want to know your thoughts. I want to know your opinions. Let me know. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the milk cart. And I would appreciate it if you guys would head on over to the group. Help boost the numbers, bolster it out, get people involved. If you like this podcast, and we, we've we been doing some decent numbers, even though I haven't been posting uh, this last couple of weeks because I've been busy. Uh, if you want to support the channel, support the show, patreon.com forward slash Matt Jarbo is a great way to do it. Uh, some perks will be coming pretty soon. I appreciate it. And we'll definitely talk again soon. Have yourself a fantastic day. Hug the ones you love. Because you never know how much longer they're going to be around. Anyway, I'll talk to you guys all later. Have yourself a good one. And peace out.